Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and this is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is with Natalie Weiss, who is known on YouTube for her very, very popular series, Breaking Down the Riffs, where she takes song riffs and literally just breaks them down and teaches them. And she has these episodes where she teaches uh, her students how to riff like your most famous pop stars. She wanted to be a pop star when she was a kid, and that was her goal. She she went into high school and, and into her career saying, I want to be a pop star. And then as we get into in the episode, she was saying she is really, really glad she did not become a pop star uh, for, for several reasons that she talks about later in the episode. But she's enjoying her, her theater career, her Broadway career, her off-Broadway career, and something that she gets the most joy out of that she didn't realize she would is teaching and inspiring young young minds and young students and really getting to know the next generation and and helping them succeed. So that's where she found her calling. That's what she enjoys doing. And she she's just an incredible person. Currently, the construction worker in Emoji Land as this episode drops. So you need to go see that before the run is over. It's an amazing show. As always, before we get into things, I encourage you to visit me online at ttp.fm. You can show your support, help me continue the transcriptions. At one of the most inexpensive patron levels, you can get to submit your questions ahead of time and help be part of the conversation. You can get more information at ttp.fm slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Find me online, theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review. I love reading those. And now without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Natalie Weiss. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Here you go. One, two, three. My guest today gained an international following from her performance videos and popular YouTube web series, Breaking Down the Riffs, which have collectively reached over 4 million views. Asterisk, I stole that from your bio. <laughs> She's an actress, singer, private vocal coach, master class teacher, and is one of the most sought after voices among new musical theater writers. Still young, but with a career that people twice her age might never achieve. 
I don't even know where to begin what? with this interview. That's but crazy. here goes Natalie Weiss. Hello. Welcome to that's, the theater wow, podcast. That's crazy. Well, you do everything. Like there are so many people who are in their mid thirties, if I'm allowed to say that mm-hmm. on air, um, who have gotten to this point and they're like, all they've ever done is just act or just been dancing or just like they're a great tap dancer, but they don't coach or they don't teach or whatever it is. And you've made this kind of niche for yourself. If niche is the right word, doing everything. I'm more. very anxious right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> Thank you. No, it just makes me like excited, but also like, ee! I don't, yeah. Because it was like kind of all an accident. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> what did you, what did you originally start out to do? Because you went to, you went to Penn State for college. I started, right? yeah. I, I, sought af- I sought after being a pop star at age five. No, um, I really wanted <laughs> after to. After you won Star Search. <laughs> no, I really wanted to be a pop singer growing up. And I was like, I want to be famous, you know, growing up. Um, when you grow up in the 90s, you don't try to be a YouTube star. That's like not a thing. Because YouTube wasn't a thing. Um, so I uh, decided, like, you can't go to school for pop stardom. So I was like, musical theater will do. I was kind of late to the musical theater game, did the shows in high school. And then I went to Penn State for musical theater. And in college, I was kind of the go-to. Um, I also started as a classically trained piano player. So that was like earlier than I sang. So in college, I was the go-to, hey, Natalie, play this song for me. Give me repertoire, you know. So I was kind of coaching for free in college. And then my senior year of college, I was singing a dream girl song at um, the head of the program's house. And it's obviously not type appropriate, but I did like kind of an opera joke and then I belted the end and um, the dream girls movie was coming out mm-hmm. a week later. But again, it wasn't like, and now I will sing a dream girl song to get wrecking. Like it literally just was like, this is fun. I enjoy this. And then a freshman videotapes it and videotapes, uh, <laughs> filmed it, and then put it on this thing called YouTube.com in 2006. And it was just the right time, the right place. And I had Facebook friend requests because of the Dreamgirls movie. So that's what started it, again, by accident. I didn't even have a channel. And then uh, my showcase video was on the internet, but not even my channel. I didn't even have a channel. And then sort of around the time that the University of Michigan kids were also putting up videos uh, Andrew Keenan Bolger, who I haven't seen in a while, but he put my video on his channel. And then I was like, I'll start a YouTube channel. But the following in quotes had been started. And then, um, yeah. And then I auditioned like everyone else and did some shows. Um, and then was coaching because I didn't have to get a waitressing job because I had this following. So it's nice to be able to have some clients. Um, and then I was on tour with Lee Miz as a swing. So I was a little bit creatively unfulfilled you know, understudying um, all the whores, for lack of a better word. <laughs> I mean, I didn't go to school to like play whore number four, but you know, so I was watching a lot of Netflix, but I was also teaching. And I had this idea for a riff video that was going to be on my photo booth. And then my friend was like, I have a good camera. I'll film you. Was not going to do 35 episodes thinking of the right name for it. I didn't even know it was a series. And then I was like, okay, it's a series now. And then left the tour. And then again, this private coaching video thing that I started two years ago was another accident. So sort of like accidents that I rode the wave of, but it was never calculated. Um, I just had the following after that first Mm -hmm. video to help. Um, But the first coaching video was me being like, how amazing is this kid? I wasn't even coaching him. And I was like, oh, people like it. And you're like sitting on the floor of hotel rooms filming (laughs) these. That was the breaking down the wrist. Right, Definitely in between shows, hotel room. Janky, janky, like not well produced. And then I learned how to edit and then that's, 
part of my life now. But yeah. I mean, for even breaking down the riffs, I was watching one. Uh, you had Ben Platt back in 2015 yeah. before Dear Evan Hansen. Before Dear Evan Hansen. He would, right. So Ben Platt was in the movie Pitch Perfect. And I was like, oh, the guy from Pitch Perfect. And he was like, oh my God, I, he was like, I guess a fan of mine, but we had met when I was on Les Mis and he was in Book of Mormon. We had like a mixer on tour, like Book of Mormon, Sister Act, and Les Mis. And I was like, what's up? <laughs> Sounds like and what I was, they do with boys, boys schools and girls yes, schools to make a prom together. Like yeah. A little social, yeah. yeah. So I met him through his friend who was on the show with him. And uh, he wasn't even in Dear Evan Hansen yet. Yeah. Yeah, that was right before, it's 2016, I think, was Dear Evan Hansen. That video was, I think, 2014 that we filmed. Right, right. So that was, that was long before. Mm-hmm. But um, before we get into American Idol and off-pitch videos and all sorts <laughs> of other things that are so much fun, um, take me back to your childhood, though. Like, where did you actually grow up? Because I know you said— I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in Brooklyn. Okay. But I, was, I grew up in New Jersey. Went to—I I played a lot of sports, so I, I sort of didn't train my voice until— Maybe in the middle of high school, but not very formal training until college. I always could imitate, not always, like I was pretty bad at like eight. And then at 11, I was like, what? I can riff and have vibrato? That's weird. But I didn't know what what to do with it. So like you can see that the trajectory of my riffing abilities was always very like, it was very like chipmunky and like not clean, but like I knew what I wanted to do because I had musicality. Mm -hmm. But I sort of developed my sound over time. At that age, when when I was six, seven, eight, was I even that young? Maybe I was a little bit older. Like uh, the Disney um, Mickey Mouse Club, mm-hmm. you know, and Christina Aguilera and mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and those people were, you know, they're my age. And those were the people that I always wanted to emulate. Mm-hmm. But I tried, I tried to like, oh, I can be that kid. Mm-hmm. I want to be famous, right? Um, did you? Was that the same? Was it about the same time frame for Different you? Different time yeah, frame. You had, yeah, you had I had like years. Mariah and Whitney were my yes people, and Janet Jackson, Billy Joel. Um, but Mariah and Whitney were the OG people I imitated. And what I mean, do you have like a, a an original song that you <laughs> that can I go that you can go back to? No, no, no. That's oh, an original song that like started it all. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely Hero. Like '93 was like the time that I started finding my voice, and Weak by SWV. So, like, my mom would be like, please stop singing the same song over and over. <laughs> right now, my five-year-old uh, will <laughs> yeah. not stop singing. singing Week by SWV. <laughs> Dory Me from Sound of Music. Oh, my God. That was literally, like, I was yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, everything. Every, he just, he'll be coloring in his. Oh, your like, actual five-year-old now. I thought oh, you meant, okay. Oh, not five-year-old me. No, 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 no. no. My, you said my literal five-year-old. Is singing Dory Me from Sound of Music. Yes. Yes. No, not no, SWV. No, not, not five-year-old Alan. <laughs> five-year-old Alan was watching West Side Story on VHS. There you go. So, yes. It was okay. I was doing all right for myself. <laughs> um, okay. So then, uh, pop song, pop song, high school, and you went to, uh, you were in high school in New Jersey. Yeah. I went to half a day performing arts school. Oh, the performing arts high school? Yeah. It was okay. half a day. So, I commuted for half the day, but I had to do the musicals at my own high school because at that time, the program now, which is in Howell High School, you have to transfer full-time. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the musicals there were amazing. And... um the theater department at my school was not as renowned as this one. So I got, I didn't really get parts until junior, senior year, but I did win the Paper Mill Rising Star Award for Best Actress <laughs> for Audrey and Little Shop, my nice. claim to fame. <laughs> um, okay, so then college, Penn State, you're going performing and whatnot. And then um, 
So American Idol, you were on season four. So yeah, I left sophomore year for a week to pursue my dream of being a pop star still at that point, which I have no interest anymore. Dreams change. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always, oh my God, I watched every single episode I had VHSs sent to me at Sleepaway Camp of season one. So I was going to be an American Idol no matter what. Auditioned once before season two, didn't get through. Season four, got through to Hollywood. Um, I mean, I just was like a different singer then. I just was like, fine. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, and then I got put with uh, a group with uh, stage parents and cried at four in the morning and then got sent home the next day and thought my life was over. Was it, so you just made, so your audition was... Uh, my audition was never shown. My somebody, judge's audition wasn't shown. Right. Then the first round in Hollywood, which I nailed, wasn't shown. <laughs> then the group round, which I didn't bomb. I just didn't do what I planned. And I sounded fine, but I didn't get through and the two girls did. And if you had seen who had gotten through, nobody knew the words to anything. I was like, I'll skate through. All these people are getting through. And it was like, it didn't go your way. And I was like, I wanted to crawl into a hole. But, like, I don't want to do that anymore. What do you think that was, though? Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Really? I mean, honestly, my mom's like, it's because you're Jewish. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> really? I'd like to think it's not. Uh, I, I, I don't know. This is a pretty superficial business. They said something like, you know, man, I just like, can I have feedback? And they're like, you know, just consistency is key. And I'm like, I'm the most consistent. Like, I was so... <laughs> <laughs> Mad, but it's just a TV show. I didn't have enough story. I don't know. I didn't have any story. That was that's interesting. I I've, I've talked to Lauren a lot. Do you know Lauren from? Yeah, she, she was in uh, Once on This Island, and now she's a, yes. a regular on I think The Young and the Restless out in LA. And she was on Idol. I want to say 15, 14, something. I'm mm -hmm. confusing. So you think you can dances with American idols? I don't uh -huh. know. Um, yeah. So so she was saying that like, and she was. Big uh, uh, posting on on social media about like the wig she would wear, wig she wears um, now, and she she started. We were talking on the podcast. She started because the stress of being on Idol caused her to lose her hair. Mm. And they have like they keep you sequestered, so you're not supposed to see, you know deal with media. Mm -hmm. And they have like a, a therapist on site that she's like obviously didn't work for me. I lost my hair. Oh I my mean, god! So did. I mean, did you feel mm. any of that? I guess is that throughout uh, the whole process, or what was it like? I just remember being like, "I'll never be in the in the dramatic group round." I was put with a dramatic group. Like there was nothing I could do that would ever be better. That it was the group. I yeah. always think like, I'm so happy to where yeah. everything mm -hmm. has led me. And I always think if I had picked another song and got put with person X of my friend who I met there instead of these two girls, mm -hmm. I might have had a totally different life. And so now. Imagine if I got with a different group and I was on Idol. That wouldn't have led me to this. It's just so crazy to think. Right. Well, the the, the pop stardom of of life. I mean, what you said you don't want to do that anymore. Like, what do you want to really do? I want to like. I mean, I you I whenever I feel any ounce of like notoriety of like I feel like I've inspired young singers, which I never went sought out to do, and I was like, whoa, this is happening. This is so weird that I can't imagine what Ariana Grande feels. Like, <laughs> right. on the on the level that I feel it is like, oh, I got recognized in Times Square last night. Lovely. I'm not going to get recognized at a Mets game. But imagine, like, never having a prize. I just... I know. I saw that tweet 
that you sent out. I think it was last night. They're like, I didn't have the courage to come up and I know, I had talk ne- to you. Oh, that was a second person that you went <laughs> oh, really? So I had never been like, actually like, there's your bag. I didn't want to say hi. I'm like, next time say hi. <laughs> um, but I can't imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I- it's like creating things. I like to like build a team of people that um, I just want to like have a, a run a school that I hire all my friends to teach at. Is that, you want to teach now? Is that like sort of the um, thing? Yeah, it de- but it, de- it depends. Like there's certain things I love. It's the same with performing. Like there's certain jobs you love, there's certain jobs you don't, and there's certain people I could teach for hours, and there's certain people that are not, that are not a right fit that I'm mm-hmm. like send to other people. But um, I love being around, like I'm doing this local supervising job coming up in June, and I feel like I love that. I love the... Um, the tweaking of it. Mm-hmm. I do like building stuff, but I like being able to like make it this much better um, from after it's been worked on. Come at, come in and be like, you're the polisher. I love polishing. Yeah, you come in and, and you polish. Are you still auditioning for a lot of Broadway and the, like? Is, uh, is musical theater on Broadway kind of like a still a pie in the sky sort of? No, thing, actually, or, yeah? no. It would have to be like. I used to, I said this because I was like, oh my God, Broadway. You know, to me, it was never like, okay, Broadway. I think it was always to be a pop star. It was never like, I want to be on Broadway. But yes, of course, you go to musical theater school, you want to be on Broadway, mm-hmm. right? I did a Broadway show 10 years ago and it was great. And then I was like, Broadway. You know, a lot of people will say that when they come on. They're like, a lot of people that do a show, like a show a year, like 10 mm-hmm. Broadway shows. They're like, and now what? And now I'm going to do a TV show. Now I'm going to, you know. Um, I think that if the, if the, material was right and I love doing it, it would be great. But I have built this business that I feel much more passionate about than doing it. I feel like my goal of like being on Broadway is to say I'm on Broadway now. Cause there is a sense, like a lack of validation. Like when I did the Les Mis tour and all my friends got Les Mis on Broadway, there was like a, uh-huh. but then I, you know, they would do the show every day and they're like, still here. And I was like, oh, I've been to 10 other countries teaching and doing concerts. Wow, okay, it's okay I didn't get the Broadway show. But when I said hi at the stage door and hung out and I would get recognized, I would feel like, hey, can, can we go across the street? I feel really weird I'm not in the show. Like, I would feel bad about myself. <laughs> I'm not actually on Broadway. <laughs> Who am I? Like, And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, there is a, a lack of feeling good about yourself when you're not on Broadway. But that's like a stigma, Yeah. you know? Um, so I think the people that know what I've created, they're like, "Who need, like, you've done great things. But people that don't know, like, hey, you've been on Broadway. You know, people are like, you doing a Broadway show? Well, you're an actor. You're not doing anything. What are you, what are you doing then? Um, and then you feel like you have to explain yourself, not like, I work at a dentist's office nine to five. Right. It's very weird. Well, your survival job is, it's, well, it's not a job because you enjoy it, yeah. for one, right? But then it's, it, the term survival job, I think it's Michael Kushner calls it a for now job. But yours, yeah. you're, it's, you, you, you're doing what you want to do, and it seems like Broadway is the side. It's really interesting, actually, because I'm doing Emoji Land off Broadway, right. which came about in a very random way. I was in LA. I got an email about it. I had not auditioned for it. Truth be told, I had been auditioning for certain things, and it came across my desk. That's really weird. And I thought, oh, oh my God. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't have anything coming up, but I do have a lot of inquiries about coaching. So what do I do? And it's you know, it's been rewarding in certain ways and been a struggle, a struggle other ways. But I'm editing videos on my Act Two break. 
Like I'm never just relaxing. <laughs> and so it's interesting and I'm never going to be bored. I have a million projects, but even just like videos on my external hard drive. Okay, I'm at the theater. I did the show. I have my big songs in act one. And then I'm like, gotta edit this, you know? So it keeps me busy. But I know a lot of people that are now like, um, my friend was in Beautiful for six years and he was writing. He was like, bro, is my side job. It's very weird. Um, but it is my first job, which is why I can't just blow out my voice. <laughs> you know, that's, mm. I do have to take care of my voice, which is why my, my coachings have been limited during the run. Oh, oh, oh. So you so do. I've been able yeah. to take on coachings, but I could do 10 a day, but I can't. Like I did, right. you know, two hours before this and I'm like, huh? you know, mm-hmm. so I can't just like blow it before my job, even though my other job pays more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you mean the Broadway pays more or the coaching, uh, coaching pay? Yeah, um, well, I would think too with the number of subscribers you well, got off Broadway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. off Broadway. Yes, that the uh, the monetization of YouTube is also that's a new thing because it hasn't been. I hired a YouTube manager, so I'm looking into retroactive monetization because I barely make any money off of YouTube. How is that? Possible. You well, just go in a chicken box, yeah, right? And you're like, but I yeah. don't have enough time to go through that. So I finally hired somebody to do that for me. And so we're working on uh, backlogging and like retroactively looking at monetization and sponsorship so that there is more passive income. Can oh, that's interesting. Can you go back and and replace? You can't replace video. Like if you have a video with yeah, it's been up for years. They're right. they're looking at like um, fighting copyright claims or. You know, after that's all set, making sure my monetization settings are on mm. for all of them. Because I don't really have a strategy. That's the thing. I've never been like, and now I will post. It's just like, oh, I have a video, I'll post it. And it's just like, I had the audience. People say like, how do you build a, an audience? I'm like, I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you do what you love to do. I, that's, I, that's the thing. I put out what I know and think is funny, slash good, slash bad, funny. And... I think I have judgment about what people will like now because I think I have good taste about what's funny. <laughs> and a lot of it is I've run a lot of my material by my friends. And they're like, this is good. This isn't working. This is good. And that's been helpful. Well, you've got a, a very large and talented pool of friends as I well. I do. I have a great community of peeps. What was it? Um, your your live show, I, I, I love the Phantom of the Chandelier. Oh, I love that one. Video, because uh, that but, that was created by uh, three of my friends in my living room, and when it actually came to be, it was just so rewarding. So Stuff the, like that that excites me. Well, that's what Shoshana Bean came out and surprised the audience, yeah. right? And it, I mean, it, do you reach out to her? Do you're like, I got this idea, or how yeah? Did- so I basically like we met at a concert. Twelve, wow, it's 2020, 12 years ago, but I had been a fan of hers since high school, probably. And so we were like acquaintances, but I was always like, I'll just tweet her. But she was like, hey, girl. And I'm like, you know, so she was free us having these guests. And I was like, I have to do something epic. What is it? What is it? And I'm never going to just do take me or leave me. It has to be like, (laughs) it's not in his eyes. Like it has to be an epic duet. And I was like, okay, how do we use her talents? Okay. She has these whistle tones. It's funny. Oh, this song sounds like this. What's the big reveal? And then it's just like a spitballing session. And then it just was me audio memoing her. This is the idea. Learn it. And like, it wasn't. It's not that it wasn't collaborative, but it was, this is the idea. I think it's going to be epic. And she was like, I got it. I'll learn it. And then. That was great. Yep. Barely any rehearsal. (laughs) Here's the track. Here's what you're doing. Okay. So you've got, 
on. You've got, of course, Idol. You've got Breaking Down the Riffs, which we, we've we talked about. And do you have perfect pitch, by the way? No, I have no? very strong relative pitch. Okay. So it's like perfect pitch twice removed. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what, I'm going to get, okay, let's pause here. We'll talk about the riffs. How long does it take you to actually dissect these riffs? Like, okay, it depends. What's the process? So today I taught a riff class for kids in Argentina, and their homework assignment was to bring in um, riffs that they're like, I could never do this. And then I'm like, and then I either tell them, you're right, that needs five listens, or that's easy, what are you talking about, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they brought in a couple. I said, I can hear right away if it's a one-time listen or like a 50-time auto, uh, any tune, the app that I use to slow it down. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that I'm like, Girl, how do you not hear those 17 notes? And there's sometimes <laughs> that I'm like, my brain can't compute these 70 notes. There's no way. Um, it just depends on um, the amount and the direction of notes. And then I'll sort of, this is how I teach people. So I'll help them draw horizontal lines of where they're going. So if it's like, do, 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 they'll draw three horizontal lines mm-hmm. next to each other. <laughs> and then if it goes back up, they'll put the horizontal line back up to the same line of the next note. And then it would be like, one, two, three, one, two, three, two. That would go back to the same pitch. Mm-hmm. And then there's like more complicated stuff like music theory, intervals and stuff that I incorporate. And it's just made up. Sort of started to hear it in sections. And So you were teaching in Argentina. Yeah, here, here. Teaching here in Argentina. (laughs) Uh, They're from Argentina, (laughs) and they were here this week and last week. So we did like an intro to riffing class. I thought you were like... This morning I flew in for the podcast. I was like, wow, thanks. You look well-rested. Yeah, Um, nope. Just a 44th Street. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking about like Skype or video calls, which would also be cool. Yeah, that's possible. Um, And okay, so the riffs... uh, then I I love the off pitch videos. I was Thank you. <laughs> I was I watching one. At, I was watching one at first, and I didn't realize that it was a parody. How? Well, because I'm really serious. Oh I, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never laughing. That's part of the. Company. Oh no, you take it completely seriously, <laughs> totally. which is awesome. But I was like, what's wrong her? with her? Today? No, well, I was tired because <laughs> I came in from Mexico last night. Oh, and. And I was like, wait. Like, the tone is kind of good, and the riffs this, are kind of clean. Yeah, they're, it doesn't sound sloppy, but something's not right. It's not right. <laughs> and I looked at the comments, and I was like, oh, wait, half the people don't get it, but yeah, I know Yeah, I this love is. that. Yeah. And by love it, I mean help. Please help. Like, most of it is like, this is my favorite thing you do. Ha, ha, ha. Is everything all right? Or something <laughs> like that? Or your voice doesn't, oh, God, they're so funny. And, like, they just don't get it. It's because, but that's the point. It needs to be for a certain audience. I'm not going to explain it to you. Right. Wait, my favorite is, how does this help with technique? <laughs> it doesn't. Why do you do this? It's fun. I don't know. Like, There's no like scientific answer. Just because <laughs> I've been doing it since eighth grade. Making like I've pitch tr- videos? Yes. No videos. Just I remember singing in Pippin. We sang, morning glow by your light. Like, be before Miranda sings. And the thing is, I also hate when they're like, oh my God, Miranda sings. I'm like, no. Miranda sings is um, like purposely horrible. This has good tone and riffs, but is sort of flat and sharp. <laughs> it's a different brand of off-key. It takes so much talent to do what you do, though. Thanks. Like to, to be exactly off on every single note, or just, you know, exactly slightly off. I've just been doing every- it for so long, but I never filmed it until, I don't remember when the first one was. Yeah. So we talked about coaching and you do master classes as well. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Like, where, was this another accident you fell into or what are the master classes about? Um, 
let's see. When did I do my first one? My first one was like 10 years ago when, right before I left for tour. Yeah, I think like a college reached out. They're like, could you do a class? Okay. I always took them in college with the famous people. And I was like, whoa. So, you know, I didn't really have my riff structure then, but it was like people got up and sing and I could give them feedback and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then I just was teaching more and then people heard that I did them. So... What do you teach? It's all oh, vocal so, technique? No, or it's not all. Like, depending. I do I do love doing the group riffing portion. I have this, like, intro to music theory that I love doing. That way, people that are like, I'm really bad that they don't have to stand up and they could just, like, learn. Mm-hmm. And so I like to do that for, like, 45 to an hour. And then I like to get people up and give them feedback. And it's a mixture of, you know, connecting to the song lyric or vocal technique, depending on what they need hmm. help on. Okay. Okay. So it's more of a it's a full picture thing. Yeah. Uh, and you've also got six albums, right? Of your own. Oh God, no. Is it six? Six. When I did a Google Music I search, have my six own EP one. Okay. Then I have a duet EP with Sally Wolfert, which is called One Voice, and then I have a bunch of singles on Spotify and Apple Music from other composers slash oh. two covers. Okay. Probably. Okay. Three covers. So, but I have a music video coming out. Do soon. you? My first. Storyboarded music video. Is it an original song? No, it's Heart of Stone from Six, the musical, and I'm going to release it on Six Opening. Nice. So that's what next March 13th. Yeah, March 13th. Wow. Yeah, I'm very, oh, coming up very soon. excited about it. That's cool. Yeah. That's very, very but cool. But I had my best and friend, who again is just my best friend, and he's good at everything. So he fully conceived and directed it, and I said, do whatever. And I hired a videographer and spent so much money on the audio production. But you know what? It's a passion project. <laughs> Don't we love those? Monetize that YouTube. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, that that's good. Okay. So then the your the the album your EP is that that's all all covers and an original covered. Jason Robert Brown song that he wrote. Right. Yeah. Basically, he, for me, sort of 10, 11 years ago. Well, yeah. So I I I read you know and I included in the bio that like one of the most sought after voices and new musical theater writers like do you, is that is that a whole subgenre of like performing of just people to perform on concept albums and, yeah so that i mean that? that started happening around youtube so like graduated college um scott allen emailed me facebook me and said i need a sub for my concert we had been on facebook like talking a little bit um to sub out for eden espinosa like 12 years ago and he's like she looks like she can do a bunch from looking at five of her videos because I had like five at the time on YouTube. And so I did this like big concert where I had to learn a song in a day and then word of mouth and then all the new composers. That's another thing that's so crazy. All the new composers were starting out then. Like the Jonathan Reed Gelt, the Joey Contreras, Drew Gasparini, like all of Kuman and Diamond, Kerrigan Laudermilk, they were all happening that time. The same exact time. So it was completely accidental that all those like albums that I'm on were just happening at the same time. So, you know, Doing demos now is now more of a, this is my fee. I don't have to, it was say everything, say yes to everything for free 12 years ago. Because mm-hmm. I was new. And then, yeah. And, the and there's a certain amount, there are certain things that you say exposure 100% free. I don't care what they're paying. And then there's certain things that are like, what's your budget? <laughs> it just depends. Right. Right. So that, that was, I didn't realize that there was that much time, like it was that long ago. Mm-hmm. And that was also around Everyday Rapture. Yeah, it was you know, like, it was around, yeah, 2010 was a little bit after the new composer stuff. So Everyday Rapture was your Broadway debut, yeah. which was 
kind of accidental. No, I auditioned for that. No, no, not, not you being in it, but the show being on Broadway. Yeah, that happened last minute because yeah. it was like they opened a slot from off state, um, off Broadway. And I was like, I think I was quitting the business for the 80th time, like as everyone will say. And I was like, I have no confidence. And then I got into a musical theater class. I'm like, let me just like get my confidence back. Because my agent had dropped me at the time. And I was like, I'm worth this. Um, half kidding. Um, and then I auditioned. And I was a disaster that day. It was one of those like audition stories like when you're not trying, you book a job. And mm-hmm. I like cracked at 10 in the morning. I forgot my book, like everything. I was back and forth in a cab. And they were like, great, can you come back at two? And then I could dance well for going to the singer audition. And they needed somebody who could learn choreography really fast because it was like covering the two girls. And then I got cast the next day. It was like so fast. And I was like, yay, Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> and- let, let, I want to actually touch on the, you're like half kidding, I'm worthless. Like, do, do you have that voice in your head? That, oh, yeah, all the that's time. just like, oh, yeah. Because I, I, I think you and I are very similar in there's a little bit of everything going on because you're just hoping, you're, you're afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. So you try to do as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Is that true? It's a little it, bit true. That's, that's how mm-hmm. I am. I'm like, I just want to do a lot because if three things fail, then I've got 10 others. It's not really like that. It's like, I would much, like, there was a part, I mean, every other year, but the past year and a half has been mostly great. A year and a half ago to two years ago, I was like, I don't know my purpose. I don't have anything on the calendar. That was a huge thing. It was before the coaching business blew up that I like told my parents, I was like, I know that I say this a lot. Like, what's next? They're like, you'll figure it out. I'm like, thanks mom. You know? And I'm like, I don't, I think I'm going into casting. I, Cause I really love that side of it too. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then when the coaching business took off, I was like, yeah, yeah, something. But there was a lot. It wasn't like, let me do a million things. It was, I just much rather be doing a million things than bored. Because if I'm bored, I start spiraling of, I have nothing to do. So I was like, even if I had a lunch date on the planner, I remember thinking that. So that's important to me to just be busy. That being said, I need days off where I just watch Netflix. all day. <laughs> but there's only so many days in a row I can do that or else I go stir crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, Makes more sense, though. I, I guess, I mean, where does that come from, though? Do you know where that need comes from? Like, sort of a need for... Probably ADD. I don't know. Do you have I mean, my, No. My brain moves a thousand times a minute. So, like, it's hard for me to, like, slow down. I like to be entertained. Yeah, I've just never been, like, zen, per se. I try to be now. But I just would rather be stressed out of my mind, busy with exciting things, than have nothing. Even if I'm like, guys, this is the busiest my week has ever been. I'm like, I remember that time a year and a half ago, and I don't wish that upon anyone. Mm-hmm. Of like, the no purpose feeling is really hard. I get more done when I have too much to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more I'm more productive individually because I can schedule my time a lot better. Um, yeah, I totally get that. Emoji Land. Mm-hmm. You said you were in LA when it came mm-hmm. across your came desk. came across my desk. <laughs> And the- I was on a mini solo tour where I was like, you know what? I have weddings in Utah and LA. What can I do? I'll do a bunch of coachings and concerts. And it was so fun. <laughs> it really was. And part of it is because I was in charge. I think that's another thing. I just like to not like be in charge, but I like to feel, I'm a control freak. So I like to be efficient and in charge. And if somebody else is in charge, I want to be able to hire them. So I know who's good at being in charge. Um, but I've done everything myself for so long. Like all the concerts, like I don't have um, 
somebody doing, I have a checklist and if I get help, I haven't been in charge of the checklist. It's not like, you know, it's a, what do you need? What do you need? But I've just like managed so many areas for so long that, um, yeah, it was just fun to like be with friends and have time off, but also like it was a work trip. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So you were out in LA, but then what I was getting at was, was for Emoji Land, Mm -hmm. when it, when it came to you, I mean, obviously you're, you make more money doing things that are not off Broadway, which doesn't pay much. What about this? What about Emoji Land right, so brought I was, you to it? <clears throat> I mean, full disclosure, I was on the fence. It, whenever I see an audition or an offer or something like that, my confidence is normally the first thing to like, I'm going to suck. It's never like, oh my God, this is so fierce. Let me do every acting job possible. First of all, the jobs don't really come like that. I have people in London are like, when are you going to be Jenna and waitress? And I'm like, when I can be seen for the third cover on Broadway, what are you talking about? Like, I think like the allure of me in other countries, being a Broadway star is just not a fact. And I'm like super self-deprecating. So like if somebody in another country is like, Broadway star and YouTube sensation, Natalie Weiss, I'm like, can we change the billing? Like <laughs> I feel uncomfortable because they, I like to Broadway performer and YouTube sensation because they think I'm a Broadway star and I'm literally not. But I'm also not a YouTube star because I'm not, and now I have a YouTube channel. It just is like a weird kind of a title. So I, you know, say Broadway performer, um, YouTube sensation. That's weird. But um, so when this came up, I saw like what the role was. I asked like what kind of a role it is. And I was like, okay, I, even when I did Ghost the Musical recently, it was like the first huge part that I had ever done in my professional career. I was like, it's never like, this is a good challenge, Natalie. It was, it's always like confidence first. And then it's like, I can do this. And then it's like getting friends to help not be like, you're me, not to kiss my ass, but to be like, objectively, this you is what I, this. you can do this. Encouraging, but also like the positives and negatives. So with the positive and negatives with Emoji Land, one of the big positives was you will be relevant as an actor in New York. And for me, A lot of people are like, I didn't know she was still acting. Does she even act like a lot of that? And I'm like, I am an actor. It's what I trained in. But everyone, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be in New York for three months. And people are not going to be like, she's, you know, people would see the playbill. I didn't know she was performing still. And even if it was in people's heads, Mm -hmm. even if anyone could come see me. And I didn't know anything about it. But I did text Leslie Margarita, who I said, what's the deal? She's like, do it with me. So, (laughs) yeah. So, yay, Leslie. Yeah. Uh, and I knew Josh was involved. So I was like, okay, people that are really good are in this. So, and it turns out I, so many friends knew the writers that I didn't even know about until I announced I was doing it. So that's how it came to be. But it was a lot of like, okay, I'm going to have to stop coaching for a little bit and I'm not doing this for the money at all, but I have savings. Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's it. And I will stop the hustle for three months is what I said, which was very weird for me. Well, it's, 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 Interesting because you're you're coming from a land of social media where you already have lots of followers. You have over a hundred thousand on Instagram and I think thirty something on Twitter, um, which is a lot. And all things being equal, talent wise, nowadays somebody with more social media is going to get cast. And it doesn't mean necessarily. Doesn't mean they're yeah. more talented, but yes. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? I always um, wish that. Yes, I have training. I wish that I guess casting offices would potentially also see the numbers, but I don't think that that's maybe in Emoji Land they did for the first time, 
But I've never in the last couple of years felt that I would ever be stunt cast in anything. So I I did not bring that up because I was not implying that you got cast. No. Because of your social media. What I was saying that I think is interesting that a lot of people get the big following after they get to Broadway or in in some sort of public limelight. And you've already had that, which, I mean, is that, I guess, I'm talking about the pressure of it. I was at, Karen Oliva told me, like, I said, do you like the social media aspect? She's like, no, I hate it. It's, it's so much pressure. I mean, is that some, I'm just so used to it. Really? I'm like, I'm always thinking about like, oh my God, stop saying it again. This is content. And unfortunately, it's hard for me to like, just enjoy this. It has to be content or it didn't happen. Right. Yeah, pics or it's not real. Exactly. Yeah. Now I just know that like, there must be more money in it. Oh, there Passively. is. There is. Yeah, that's why I hired some. Right, well- uh, there are people that, yeah, that I've talked to that make, like, good money just for posting stories. Correct. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, stories and pictures and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's money in it. So, one last question about Emoji Land is that the story itself represents a lot of real-world scenarios. Mm-hmm. And was that, like, building a wall, ignoring mental health problems? I mean, <laughs> it's more than just a comedy about emojis. Yes. Not to be confused with Emoji… The, the movie? The movie, which nope. was horrible. Didn't see it. This is not horrible. This is really good. Did the script, I mean, how much did the script? I didn't really, uh, to be honest, like I didn't, I'm just so slow. I didn't get the political undertones until I was in the room. Really? With the director, because I'm like slow. <laughs> no, I'm just like admitting, I was like, wow, this is interesting. Not what I expected. Also, this is, oh, that's really funny. Oh, oh my God, look, that's smart. But I, we didn't really get into a lot of my lines yeah. so textually that helped me as an actor. I didn't catch on to until we talked about it in the room. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that you know about them. Learning. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So there are three standard questions that I ask everybody to wrap up every podcast episode. The first one, very simply, is what motivates you? What motivates me? Um, Seeing change and growth and inspiration in artists. All right. And then the next question, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Um, Be nice to everyone and don't feel like you have to compare yourself to other people. All right. And last question, hardest question. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? (laughs) Oh, God. Um... I can only say one. Yes. This is going to be such a weird answer because it's not even my top. I saw Legally Blonde six times and I saw Next to Normal five times. But I'm going to say Bright Star. Really? I fucking loved Bright Star. And really? maybe Dear Evan Hansen. Okay, bye. <laughs> Sorry, that was four. <laughs> I love Bright Star so much. <laughs> All right, where can we find you online? The Natalie Weiss on Twitter and Instagram. And YouTube to search my name. <laughs> it's like it's like youtube.com slash natdog7. It was my tennis name. Natdog. I can't even change it. I don't know. Yeah, you should be able to. I know. All right. Anyway, be, yeah. you can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Support the podcast at thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. On facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Listen and leave a rating, leave a review. Tell your friend. This is edited by Matthew Hendershot. Thanks to Jukebox the Ghost for the music. And Natalie Weiss, thank you. This has been thank wonderful. Thank you. Breath, make the world a little colorful
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.